everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Today I'm talking to Biplab Adya and Venu Pemaraju from Wipro Ventures. Biplab and Venu, welcome to the show. Hi, Samana. Hi. Thanks, Ramana. So uh, tell us a bit about yourselves as well as Wipro Ventures and, and let's introduce our audience to the investment activities of Wipro Ventures. Sure. Uh, this is Vipla Badia. Uh, along with Venu, I co-manage Wipro's corporate investment arm, Wipro Ventures. Um, I have been with Wipro for about eight years now. Uh, Wipro Ventures got set up three years back. And uh, since it got set up, I moved from an operating role within Wipro to uh, to Wipro Ventures. My background is primarily in the enterprise apps domain in different operating roles before I moved into um, the investment activities for Wipro Ventures. That's me, Venu. So, uh, hi, Samana. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, so, I joined uh, Wipro Ventures in uh, early 2015, and as Biplab indicated, you know, both of us co manage uh, Wipro Ventures. Prior to coming to Wipro Ventures, I spent about 15 years at Intel Capital as an investment manager, uh, investing in enterprise software areas and semiconductors. And in, incidentally, both Biplab and I went to IIT Kharagpur. So there, there's some common thread uh, that binds both of us. All right. Great. So let's talk about Wipro Ventures. How big is the fund? What size investments are you making? What stage? Let's get a little bit... Um, deep into the investment activities of Wipro Ventures. Sure. Uh, Wipro Ventures was set up uh, as a 100 million fund when it uh, mm-hmm. when we started about three years back. Now we must indicate uh, and clarify though that it is not a it is not a we invest from Wipro's balance sheet, so it's a sort mm-hmm. of an evergreen fund in, okay. in that respect. Um, our uh, check sizes typically, so we typically our sweet spot from an investment standpoint is in Series B type of companies. Um, and though we, so if you if you draw a normal distribution, B is where most of the uh, most of the investments will lie. Though we do invest earlier and later as well. Uh, our typical check sizes, uh, you know, check sizes can vary anywhere between one to ten million. That's our uh, part of the syndicate. But uh, typical median check sizes have been in the three to five million range. And uh, you uh, typically follow in a round, or do you lead as well? Yeah, so we lead if required. We have led rounds in uh, within the portfolio that we have. So we have invested so far in 12 companies uh, and in three VC funds. Uh, so we are a LP investor as well as direct investors. Um, and uh, we lead if required, but in more often the case, we uh, we are a participant in the in the syndicate. Now, how much of um, the investment due diligence attention do you put into determining whether the companies that you invest in could leverage Wipro's go-to-market channel? 
So, uh, so Samana, this is this is the more important part of our investment strategy as well. I think the way you are asking the question, you know, one of the things uh, that we look for, you know, as part of a Series B type of investment is that there is limited technology risk. What that means is that, you know, that the product has been uh, in production and has been deployed at a few large enterprises. Now, given mm-hmm. that Wipro goes to market and, you know, services the large global 2000 players, our goal is to invest in companies that would like to uh, or their solutions are built for that segment. So what we're looking for is that initial product market fit that has been kind of shown or exhibited by these companies. And then, you know, it makes it more relevant for us. So given that, you know, we are an enterprise software company and for us go-to-market is the most important part, the product market fit, some proof points in the enterprise segment are necessary for us to consider whether this is an investment candidate or not. Yes, I understand that. However, what the question I'm asking is is a little bit beyond what you just answered. So let me clarify. So let us say we have a company that we want to send to you for investment. And this company already has product market fit. It is already deployed in major customers. So it's understood that it fits your stage requirement, validation requirement, and so forth. Beyond that, how much of your decision-making is going to be predicated upon the fact that this product can be brought to market leveraging Wipro's channel? I mean, that, that plays a very strong role, but at the same time, we, we also have to consider quite a few other uh, issues as well. The first one would be, uh, who are the other co-investors in the company? Is this company have... Uh, investors, institutional investors in particular, who have the ability to support this company going forward. Um, that is a very important consideration. And this is really born out of the fact that, you know, as strategic investors, you know, it's quite possible that the company may change its product, we may change our strategies. So it's important that the company have investors who can support it regardless of the future directions of either us or, or, or the company themselves. So that is quite important. Okay. Second, second, you know, the fact that they have been able to sell to some of these major customers is 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 a good, uh, you know, is a is a necessary condition. But what we also need are how this fits within our go-to-market initiatives. Is this an important segment? Is this something that our customers really need? Are there groups within Wipro who are willing to kind of support it and take it to market actively? What are the price points uh, for a solution like this? So all of those considerations also go in before we decide, you know, whether this is a a good investment candidate or not. It doesn't mean that it's not a good company. It's just that whether it makes sense for us to kind of pursue it or not. So let's double click down on that. Let's say we have a company that has a B2B enterprise software focus, has already existing customers, major customers, has institutional investors. At that point, what industry sectors, what B2B industry sectors are you interested in? What kind of pricing or deal sizes are you interested in? What other factors, all these factors that you talked about, can you elaborate on what are you looking for? Yeah, so... uh... Shramana, the way that we approach this is 
we um, we are looking for uh, technologies that play across the uh, the enterprise technology stack. We're looking for companies, you know, with innovative solutions across the enterprise technology stack. That is because Wipro serves Fortune 1000 corporations across the stack, and that means, um, you know, cloud infrastructure, SaaS applications, cybersecurity, IoT, big data analytics. Um, you know, across the so across the stack. So vertical and horizontal across the stack, and you're looking for companies um, that are catering to Fortune 1000. Is that a that, good summary? Yeah, that 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 is correct. And uh, and we have so far, you know, we have. Uh, if you look at our portfolio, it is primarily um you know horizontal technology oriented companies though they all have applications that are specific to different verticals and we have really not done an investment in a specific vertical domain which might happen in the next uh, couple of years as well got it and what about geography so we the companies that we invest in uh, must have a uh, must have a go-to-market play in North America. Uh, we invest in companies uh, that are, um, you know, that and therefore they should have a leadership presence. Their leadership presence should be in North America. Uh, but the origin could be, you know, for example, in our current portfolio, we have companies with headquarters in uh, with headquarters in Israel, in India, and in the and in the US. So just to add to that, Ramana, I mean, you know, one of the criterion also is the fact that, you know, this is not just a simple resale opportunity, because if it is just a resale opportunity, it's not very exciting. There has to be an opportunity for us to do some value-add services on top of it. Uh, so that is, I think, that is, uh, that's an important criterion. And also to what Biplab indicated, I mean, given that it is just Biplab and me, who are based here primarily doing the investment, we, uh, although we do have principals in India and uh, and here, you know, it is important for us to be closer to the companies. So right now, as he said, you know, the companies may be incorporated in U.S., Israel, or India, but a lot of the management team is based in the U.S., and their market presence is also in the U.S. and Europe. So those are some of the important considerations for us. But as we grow as a group, of course, you know we will expand, you know, some of our so, some of these or relax some of these constraints, and you know, invest in companies that are probably in geographies outside of just North America. So I think the the most important thing you just said is that you're not looking for pure resale opportunities; you're looking for extensive value-added services opportunities around the products that you choose to invest in. Isn't that a correct articulation of the I nugget that you just? I think it has to be value-add services, you know, expensive or not is a, is a diff, I mean, that is not the criterion. It has to be value-add. How do we differentiate ourselves with value-add services on top of the solution that we take to market? Yeah, yeah, got it. All right. So let's uh, switch the line of questioning a little bit and talk about your current portfolio. What have you invested in and how did you decide to choose those companies that you have invested in. So if you could keep, take us through a couple of case studies, that would be great. Okay, so uh, our 
investment is spread across the uh, technology stack, as I had mentioned earlier. Uh, so it is representative of the same. Uh, we have uh, we have invested in uh, four uh, in out of the twelve investments that we have done, four of them are in the cybersecurity domain, uh, one in uh, big data uh, lifecycle management one in uh, business process uh, related to uh, related to procure to pay uh, one in uh, you know a couple of them in devops and test automation um, and so on and one in industrial iot so it, it, as you see it's it's kind of representative across the stack of services that we bring to bear to our fortune uh, 1000 customers um, in terms of, and, and the reason of this spread is, you know, uh, like Venu mentioned, we always try to find uh, opportunities to take these solutions to market through our business units. And uh, therefore, our first starting point in scouting for a deal is a deep understanding of our business units strategy. Uh, over the next three to five years, and what are those white spaces in their strategy that can be uh, that can be fulfilled by uh, partnering with an innovative company uh, that we can take uh, to market? So that's the start point. And you know, in terms of an example, if you see, we have a very strong presence in cybersecurity, and that is because our cybersecurity practice is. Um, is, 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 very, is, is, a, is a very high growth unit within Wipro. They are looking for innovative solutions. Cybersecurity as a discipline is, uh, is, is, is a very evergreen sector with a lot of innovation happening. Um, and what we kind of propose to our customers is that we want to be an end-to-end cyber defense uh, you know, a service provider for our customers. And in that context, we have our um, integrated threat management framework that we bring forward to our customers. We know in that, in, in that framework, there are traditional players that play a role in terms of when we build, when we offer our uh, cybersecurity stack to our customers, there are traditional players. But there are very niche segments and very fast evolving segments, for example, in the threat intelligence sector, in the advanced, um, uh, you know, advanced threat uh, detection sector, in in, in uh, security operations and orchestration sector. So, in uh, you know, in each of these categories, we found a specific uh, opportunity. For example, in threat intelligence, we invested in a company called Insights. Um, in advanced uh, threat detection, we invested in a company called Vectra. In, in security operations and orchestration, we invested in a company called Demista, and all of them have since then become part of our integrated threat management uh, stack that we take to our customers. So that's kind of, uh, uh, in a nutshell, how we approach uh, our investments. Does that? Let me. I, I want to ask you one question about the cybersecurity practice yeah. of Pro in particular, and how all these investments uh, play into the dynamics of that world. Mm -hmm. And here's the question: 
So one thing we we are hearing from uh, chief information security officers is that they are bombarded with vendors trying mm-hmm. to sell them solutions. Mm-hmm. And and cybersecurity is one of the most active spaces for both startups as well as venture activity. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of vendors who are trying to get mindshare with uh, CISOs and CIOs. What is your guidance to this community of entrepreneurs who are trying to sell into these buyers? Because for small buyers, uh, small vendors to get mindshare from buyers today is very difficult. How do they navigate? How do you, how do you navigate? How do they navigate this dynamic? So I, you know, it's a great question, Shramana. Uh, and you know, we we of course, you know, think a lot about it. And in fact, some of our value proposition is actually crafted around the question that you just indicated. Um, you know, I don't know what advice I have for others, but you know, this is our value proposition to the companies that we have invested in and 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 evaluate. Because there is so much noise, the CISOs are also looking for somebody who's a trusted advisor to them, who can basically eliminate some of the noise from the signal. So the fact that you know we see a lot of the companies in this particular space and have chosen some, should give these CISOs some comfort that these are best in class. You know, we're not saying that these are the only companies that are the best or whatever, but these are definitely best in class companies and we have done a fairly good evaluation of the landscape to come to the conclusion that these are perhaps the right ones for us to not just partner with but also to invest in so so that is to your point you know that is one of the value propositions that you know Bipro ventures brings to these startups and so far we've been pretty successful in delivering on the promise that we have made to some of these startups so I, I, you know, and it is not surprising that, you know, a lot of these cybersecurity startups do have partnerships with, you know, resellers or value-added, you know, players like us. So it's not, it's not surprising. So I think going directly to some of these CISOs is a challenge. And uh, I, I don't think we have a silver bullet for, you know, for any one of them. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would add to that, what you said, is that... Um, you know, people have to get to a Series B kind of situation to get a Wipro or an Accenture to adapt them as a solution. And before that, they have to get mindshare of at least a critical mass of CISOs somehow. And and this is a this is becoming harder and harder to do. No, it is, is comment, harder. Really. It is harder, and I think this is where also you know choosing your investors is actually very important. I mean, you know. Uh, you know, before before strategic investors, you know, dive into an investment, it is important to make sure that your early investors do have the reach into some of these individuals, you know, who are managing the security operations of large institutions. So I, I think it is important for entrepreneurs to look at those investors who can not only guide them in building up a company, but also have the necessary reach into the, you know, into the security organizations of large companies. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. 
Now, what trends are you seeing in your deal flow? What, uh, what's interesting right now? We, um, we, we continue to see strong momentum in our deal flow and that, um, you know, over the last three years that we have uh, been running the fund, of course, uh, you know, through the network of investors that we have, uh, that we have worked with, through the entrepreneurs that we have kind of invested in and helped them in the go-to-market with the go-to-market promise, as well as uh, you know our business units who have become more adept in terms of working with you know smaller companies that they have not been exposed to that they had not been exposed to earlier. You know there there is a strong. So my question is actually different. My question is what trends do you see in your deal flow? So the companies that are coming to you. What's interesting about them? What kind of trends, industry trends, are you seeing in them? Okay. The, oh, yeah, so what I was going to say is that, you know, the, the deal flow originates from all of these sources. And uh, we, we tend to see, you know, a couple of things. One is that uh, companies that uh, come to us, uh, even at an earlier stage, show a different, or I would say show a better sign of maturity with regards to uh, where they have, what they have achieved versus what one would see a few years back. Um, you know, in terms of the KPIs that they have, uh, that they have been able to deliver, the type of uh, customers that they have been able to master, all of that seems to have uh, you know, some of the companies that come even at a Series A level uh, versus what they would be at, a, you know, three years back uh, show uh, a different size of, different sign of maturity. Uh, yeah. When, when There's no bootstrapping going on, I think, in other yeah, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, yeah. Is, that is point number one. And point number two is because of that, you know, the expectation of the size of the round and the amount of money that the company would raise in a even in a in a particular round, you know, is higher. Um, so, so that is that is one type of uh, one type of trend that I would that I would characterize. The other type of trend in terms of the sectors, you know, uh, at this point there's a lot of activity, and at least it, probably it is also driven by the area of interest that we are pursuing, you know, from a um, software infrastructure standpoint, from, uh, you know, the whole DevOps automation, uh, cloud, uh, and, and it's all its, uh, uh, with, with all the adjacencies around cloud migration, adoption, we see a huge amount of activity in that space that is of interest to us. That doesn't mean that there are other areas that are not, uh, that that are not of uh, you know active uh, act, active uh, interest going on, but probably we are not in, in investing a lot of time there. But in these areas, we see a lot of deal flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what about um, technology trends? Are are there things that I mean? I'm sure immediately you're going to say AI. I know AI is a big trend. Everybody's talking about AI. Is there anything else that you're seeing out there that is worth highlighting? No, actually, <laughs> I was just going to add that, 
you know, you see pretty much everybody, you know, being almost programmed to say that they have AI or yes. ML. As absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, so that that is something that that is happening. You know, the other thing that I think you know you're also seeing is you know most of these companies trying to uh, focus on automation, uh, ease of use. You know, bringing in kind of you know a consumer you know what experience type of thing or a UX UI into some of these enterprise plays. Uh, so I think these are all trends that we see in the in the enterprise segment. Also, you know, on a very different level, you know, the round sizes are much bigger now than what it used to be, and perhaps it's a reflection of the maturity of companies that Bipla was talking about even at an earlier stage. But I think it's also a reflection of more capital needed now to compete uh, because, you know, there are quite a few companies, as you indicated, you know, in e each segment. I mean, it, each no segment. segment. Very, if, you, if it's a venture-fundable segment that has been identified, it's flushed with competition. There are tons Excellent. of players vying for the same, uh, same segment, actually. In, in a way, the less competition is in the segments that are not venture fundable segments that are more niche smaller segments where which gets somehow shielded from venture capital so you can actually be, build a significant company in that segment without being uh, caught in this com intense competitive dynamic that is correct that is correct okay well very interesting any uh, anything else that you would like to add before we wrap up this session no, would love to hear your opinions on you know what you see as other strategic investors. You know how do you see strategic invest? I mean, you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and other uh, other uh, investors. I mean, what do you see as you know strategic investors? What should they do more? You know how should how should we be kind of thinking about investments uh, that align with you know what entrepreneurs would like us to do? So. Here's my one take, which is a bit of a continuation on what I said just now. See, venture capital is interested in these billion-dollar opportunities, right? So by saying that you are only going to invest in companies that have uh, significant institutional investors already in the deal and you want to come alongside them or you want to come after them, you're bracketing yourself into just those kinds of deals that are these billion-dollar market opportunity TAM kinds of deals, and they tend to be highly competitive. But if you for, – for a company like Wipro or any other strategic, actually, a 200 $300, 500000000 million opportunity is actually a significant opportunity. And let us say – you have a company that is focusing on a particular vertical with a very deep domain knowledge and, and a solution that is that solves the problems of that vertical and and can rapidly, you especially using your channel, can rapidly get to a $300, $400 million business, that it's not going to be a billion-dollar company. But it's still a very meaningful business from from the point of view of a strategic. So if your goal is to acquire a bunch of you know, businesses, really high-value, profitable businesses, I would not uh, skip these opportunities that do not have large VC support but are 
good, solid, mid-sized TAM opportunities. I actually think that those are much better opportunities for strategics than trying to get into the same space that, I mean, those are so competitive. The, the large opportunities are so competitive and all the VCs want to get into those. I think that's where you're going to run into lots of competition, both from the investors as well as just there's going to be a lot more players. Whereas the you know, heavy domain knowledge niches, where, which are substantial niches, are very interesting opportunities that I, my observation is that people are not paying much attention to. And they're better businesses in some ways. Okay. That's good feedback. We'll, we'll definitely, you know, uh, market size is one consideration for us, for sure. Uh, but I think what is also important is are these sustainable businesses or not? Because at the end of the day, you know, what we want is sustainable businesses that we can take to a large number of customers rather than, you know, businesses that are, you know, quick flip type of a business or not. Sir, not no, I think there are, you're, I, I think you're underestimating how many very interesting multi-hundred million dollar businesses can be built in the niches because the niches have very specific domain specific specifications around which people need to build those businesses and it's domain knowledge heavy um, opportunities so if you know this for for a company like Wipro I would not ignore those businesses okay good feedback okay all, all right. right well great speaking with you and audience thank you for coming today thank you for listening we will be back with another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. In the meantime, please come to the roundtables. And uh, as you know, these are working sessions. You can bring your project there, and, and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Ramana.